Back in the studio again. This week we preview a CA football finale weekend. You're listening to the Yak. This one is going into the record book. The 34-year-old dream comes true. History is made tonight in Tennessee. Fighters are living a dream. Alabama's a champion of Division I football. And Santos is into the end zone. Blacko, end zone, touchdown. Touchdown, Stacey Bedell. Touchdown, John. Uh, well, guys, all season it's been, you know, talking about the playoffs, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. We're finally at that weekend where we can we can get a definitive answer. Yep. Um, I don't know. Sunday is just going to feel like Christmas morning. I can't wait for that selection show. Um, so, yeah, we've been taking guesses at, at what the potential picture could look like. Um, but we're finally there. With that said, Tim, break us down some of the scenarios going into this weekend yeah so it's really difficult this year just because i know a lot of fans have been asking a lot of fans have been saying well like a lot of fans i think at the end of the day care if they win a ca title if you win a share of it if you don't win a share of it but at the end of the day like you said there's one automatic bid and that has to be determined through head-to-head competition did teams play each other and obviously it's a little bit different this year stony brook didn't play jmu stony brook didn't play villanova didn't play all these teams that Elon, New Hampshire, Delaware, all these other teams played. So essentially, the way it works, JMU would earn the automatic bid to the FCS playoffs with a win, hands down. That's all you need to know right away. So if JMU wins, they grab that automatic bid. If there's uh, if Elon wins and Stony Brook wins, Stony Brook didn't play JMU or Elon. Teams' record against the highest-ranked opponent or common opponent, New Hampshire, is used. JMU and Stony Brook defeated the Wildcats, but Elon lost, so Elon would be out in that scenario. If you look at the head-to-head, JMU would get the bid on its head-to-head tiebreaker with Stony Brook based on the win over Delaware. Yep. So essentially, you think about the common opponents, all that stuff. Bottom line, if JMU wins, they're the automatic bid. If JMU loses, you can still say Stony Brook, Elon. There's Just because Stony Brook didn't play the same amount of teams, Stony Brook still has a share of its first CAA football title. Has to get there first. I think that's the key. We always talk about... we. We know we're pretty confident in saying that JMU is going to get a playoff bid. We're pretty confident yep. in saying Elon is going to get a playoff bid based on the numbers that mm-hmm. teams have in records. But for New Hampshire and for Delaware, it's you do not want to be a bubble team on, on Sunday. You don't want to be sitting there wondering, could we have done something else? Should we have lost this game? If you win and you get to 8-3, and three, the precedent has been set in past playoffs where if you're an 8-3 CA football team, yep. you should get a playoff bid. I, I agree with that. I know you do. I know we're biased. But is, there, is there any chance, though, that if, like, say, a, a uh, There's a, a big Delaware game, for example. The Southland, for example. Nichols could finish 9-2. and two. McNeese could finish 9-2. and two. Those teams, their strength of schedule compared to CA football teams, McNeese lost to Nichols the first game of the year. So how do you pick McNeese over Nichols, et cetera, et cetera. Monmouth is playing Kennesaw State. Monmouth's best win this year is Albany. And no disrespect to the Danes, but compared to where they're going to finish in the state of football standings. Monmouth's best win is Albany. That's great. Holy Cross, great. But at the same time, how do you stack that up to the rest of the schedule? So bottom line, something always crazy Something crazy always happens. Montana, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're definitely out. So it's a, it, it's a question of Sunday. Saturday results, we'll see across the board. There's going to be both teams. There's going to be teams that earn their way in. If New Hampshire and Delaware get a win they're in it, there's it, it's almost no doubt but at the same time you have to get there first i think that's the big key 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, this week shapes up perfect. I feel like a lot of storylines in the past when we've gone to this final week of the season, Tim, uh, that, you know, we would have possibly two play, potential playoff teams playing each other mm-hmm. in almost an elimination game. We really don't have that this year. You know, JMU and Elon, yeah, they're playing for something big, a CA conference title, but really their postseason fate, we, we know they're going to be playing more football this year. You know, the other teams right now, have control of their own destiny going yep. into this week. That's really what it is. And and you got to play the numbers game. No CA football team in the modern era has not been left out of the playoffs finishing 8 and 3. And you're going to sit here and tell me, like, let's just say for comparison's sake, if JMU wins, which not to say that they're going to, but mm-hmm. they went undefeated last year, they're undefeated overall going into this one. So Elon, you you'd sit there and say, "Well, are we going to take a Southland team? Are we going to take a are we going to look at someone else?" Elon's only losses would be Toledo New Hampshire on the road, and JMU at home. Yep. Is that their fault? Yes. Could they have won those games? Yes. But at the same time, are you going to discredit two FCS losses and one FBS loss? For yep. a team, by the way, that this would be their first playoff appearance since 2009, the the season that they've had, the turnaround that they've had, yep. I think the committee likes that. I yep. think the committee likes those types of stories. We'll get into the GR, geography and all that type of stuff. If Stony Brook gets to 9-2 and two mm-hmm. and JMU wins – even if Elon wins and Stony Brook gets to nine and two, they did not play Elon. They did not play JMU. I don't see how you look at a Central Arkansas or a Sam Houston that might have one loss and it might be an FCS loss. You're nine and two in the CA. I don't see how Stony Brook isn't being talked about potentially getting a seed. And on the flip side, there's a lot of spoiling opportunity this week as well for CA yeah. football teams. I think it's going to Maine at, to end the season Maine is Stony not Brook, easy. Going to Albany is not, not going to be easy for New Hampshire. And going to Villanova, I mean, it's a rivalry. It's and a rivalry it's at game. Villanova. It's not going to be easy for Delaware. These are tough, tough road games to end the year. So it's really difficult to play these hypothetical situations when these teams, not even that they're playing tough contests and you have teams that would love to spoil the party in the CAA, but they're going on the road to have to play these games. Yep. And even when you look at JMU, they got to go on the road to win the conference, conference title, title yep. and a number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs for them on the line. By the way, the stat of the week, I think um, no CA football team since... <laughs> Rats. No CA football <laughs> team since Boston University in the 90s has won, has gone... Uh, Three straight conference titles. So mm-hmm. JMU has that chance. Yep. Think about the craziness. In the 70s, UMass was the last CA football team to register back-to-back seasons of undefeated. They only played five games. Mm-hmm. They only played five games back in the 70s. But the precedent that JMU is setting to possibly go undefeated, yep. that's ridiculous. Yep. That's that, that's long time. But this for us is fun because in years past, you know, will we get three? Will we get four? The potential is there. It's just a question of which teams. And that, that to me, sets the tone for CA football. You want to talk about the strength of CA football? How many other conferences could have three teams playing on the road, like you said, and potentially knowing that those are hard games and knowing that if some of the other teams on the bubble had to go play those games, I don't think you'd be as confident saying they could go get a win at Maine. I don't think they'd be confident even looking at UAlbany's record saying they could go on the road to finish the season and win at Albany. Yep. Obviously, New Hampshire and Delaware have to get it done. Um, you know, on paper, those games look like winnable games. But let's say, you know, Villanova and Albany, they they try to disrupt our fun here in the CAA and, and they pull off wins. What goes into uh, you the know, process? You're, you're, the ex- you're the expert. What goes into, you know, 
deciding whether a team on the bubble goes in or out. So a lot of it goes to, um, and the committee I don't think will outright say that, but a lot of it goes to, are we spreading enough love to different conferences? So the Big Sky could have a lot of teams with three losses and in their standings could finish near the top. But you have to sit there and say, well, if we only have one Big Sky team right now, are we going to get two more or are we going to do one more and then give us a... So that goes into it. I also think it's really good and really strong to know that the CAA in the past has gotten respect because they've played a full Division One schedule. Furman, for example, plays a big game this weekend. If they win, they're essentially in. Elon beat Furman this year. Yep. Furman also played uh, Division Two or Division Three. North Greenville gave up 41 points. Yeah. Or, you know, played a non-Division One schedule. So those types of those types of factors also count. It also helps. You think of Delaware's losses would be Virginia Tech, JMU, and I'm I'm forgetting the third right now off the top of my head. And uh, Towson. So technically, only one quote-unquote bad loss but those things go into it who did you lose to who did you win to did you play a, a complete division one full schedule which is why you know at this level every week counts yep no matter who you're playing um but yeah very exciting to to think of the possibility of having five teams in um but let's kind of shift gears a little bit i know we've hinted at it all year but i think it's important to recognize the turnaround that elon has had this year mm -hmm. um Honestly, just looking back, I can't think of any team in in any sport really that I've followed closely that has had a turnaround quite like Elon. I mean, it's it was a 180 degree. And you you think about like the easy comparison would be Towson yeah, when Towson reached the too, yeah. national championship, but at the same time, Towson had reached the playoffs the year before yep. and kind of broken through and gotten over that. Uh, Towson has changed the corner the year before, and yep. then the next year, that's when Towson made their run. But at the yeah. same time, we're talking about a team who was what, who was one, two one two wins last year, yep. two total wins, um, and maybe maybe even one. I think one and eight in conference. One and eight in conference. They had a division two win, and I, I'm forgetting the other win. But at the same time, to do what they've done and go from a non-playoff team to a team that in our 12 and 12 preview. I mean, what were they picked in the league? I, I believe it was at least 10, Just above 10 to 12. Yeah, yeah, if not 11th. So to do what they've done, it goes back to but, the question, the, what we'll get into later. If you're picking coach of the year, do you pick Mike Houston, who hasn't lost an FCS game as a head coach, hasn't hasn't been tested as a head coach in, in the loss column at all? I mean, yeah. the only loss that he's had at JMU is North Carolina. Yeah, that's still pick unbelievable. Him? Who is your coach of the year? Because you can't do it strictly and say, well, if these six coaches pick Signetti, the other six will pick Houston. I, I don't see – that's not an easy pick. That is not – To me, it's funny because it, when we bring up Elon and their turnaround and you compared it to Towson back, you know, a few years back, you know, Elon, you know, with those Towson teams, granted it was a team effort, but they had this one superstar mm -hmm. named Terrence West that really kind of carried Hand that the ball, team yeah. and carried that program to that turnaround. Elon, there's not that one superstar. It was the same guys, really, from last year, sprinkling in a few freshmen. Mm -hmm. It seems like there was you just know? a big culture change. Yeah. Yep. Across the board, which, it, as corny as it sounds, I really do believe that the playoff committee has witnessed when Elon beat teams. And remember, they had that streak of five straight top 25 wins. Yep. Those teams might not be in the top 25, but those top 25 wins, they still count. Yep. And the fact that Elon is where it's at right now, playing – Elon can sit there and say to the committee, we did just about everything to our ability. We're, we played for a safe football title outright. Mm -hmm. I don't see how you even consider leaving or thinking about leaving out an Elon team. 
Yeah, and that loss last week to New Hampshire, I mean, you really look at it. it what, you know, the score, I think, is very deceiving. Yep. Agreed. In some ways. Agreed. Know, I mean, it, missed Owen Johnson, who's been lights out this whole yes. year, missed two field goals. Elon turned the ball over three times. Yep. And and lose only by ten points on the road. On the road. A pla- at a place that nobody wins in November, which is New, which is New Hampshire. Um, you know, I think this is a very, very impressive team, especially going into this Saturday, having a chance to at least have a share of this conference title. And then last thing you look at, uh, New Hampshire has been in this spot. We've talked about it many yep. times. They've been in this spot, so I think that's the advantage. It's still going to be a tough game. It's going to mm-hmm. be about 15 degree, uh, excuse me, 15 mile per hour winds, raining the whole day in Albany. And at the same time, you look at Delaware, J.P. Caruso in the last couple of weeks, I'm not saying he's played bad, and I'm not saying that that's discrediting him, but I am saying if right now as a team they're averaging 116 passing yards per game, I don't see how you – I, I don't see how that's sustained. So even yep. if they get to the playoffs, there's going to still need to be some offensive switches. Yeah. So I was going to save this for three and out, but we'll just throw this into the general discussion. Obviously, this is this is hard to predict. You know, we never would have predicted Elon would go uh, almost undefeated uh, in 2017. But keeping with that most improved theme, do you see – who do you see being the Elon of 2018? Moving forward, Elon of twenty. I think it's Rhode Island. I was talking about it before the show. I think Jawan Lawson. We're seeing a very, very confident quarterback here at the end of the year, playing very well up there at Rhode Island. I see him. You know, he what he joined the team late in the summer camp, I believe, and and eventually won the starting job. And and you look at what he did to that Villanova defense last week, throwing for over three hundred yards. I mean, he's been very consistent quarterback up there and that's really what they've needed at Rhode Island for a very long time I think Rhode Island with that young talent I think the defense obviously which is a little shocking the defense is near the bottom of the category they, they usually are pretty sound on defense but I think they'll get better but I think really it starts with Jajawan Lawson a dual threat quarterback with a big arm it, it, I feel like they finally have some stability there and and they're going to be able to make be poised for a turnaround big turnaround next year and they've played a lot of games that that don't really, you know. You look at the score. You look at their yeah. Record. You look at their their record. Just doesn't look at really their schedule. How, they how still well were in a lot of those games. Even the yeah. Stony Brook game, which I know thirty-five to eighteen or something like that, mm-hmm. still in that game. Even the New Hampshire game, lost by fourteen. Went so down to the wire with Elon. Yep. You know. Yeah. It it would either be Rody for me or Towson, but at the same time, I believe in regardless of the outcome this weekend. I believe right now a little bit more at the change, despite the record, like you guys have said, in Rhode Island versus the change in Towson. But Coincidentally, they play each other Saturday. Yes, a lot of uh, fitting games. I think if Delaware can can kind of figure out and solidify their yep. quarterback game. Especially quarterback play. I feel like they could be a very they would dominant be team. Dominant, mm-hmm. yes, very. Um, but it's time for three and out. All right, and Let's that's going to do it we for us on live. I'm going to Oh, you're, you're just going to end it? I don't know. Two missed calls from someone. It could be important. Could be important. We should add for the listeners at home that we are periscoping live. Yes. uh, On on Tim. On on Tim's account. On Insta. Sorry, Insta. Oh, okay. Instagram. Okay, so less people. Well, less people, but you know, it'll be archived. We should sign off on the Insta to see, make sure it's not somebody important. We will sign off. It says only one person. It's it's probably my brother watching us live. So we will sign off on Insta. Later, Tommy. Because we all know uh, Tommy McDonald was the only one listening. All right, guys, were you ready for three and out? Yeah. Ready to go. All right, Tim, I think you have the first one, right? Yes. Go. All right, Beeb, so. What's up? 
Talking with Mr. Washburn in yeah. the Communications Department of Football. He's a smart guy. They have to vote for the all-conference awards yeah. this weekend after a regular season. Yep. A very long phone call. Who is your pick? Let's not worry about special teams, defense, all that stuff. Who's the offensive player of the year if we're talking straight picks? Who are the coaches going to pick? Offensive player of the year? It's tough because Rob actually said something the other day. He's like, the coaches respect and know that I think they deep down all agree that Brian Shore is the best quarterback in this conference. Brian Shore has not won an offensive player of the week award this season. So does that factor in? Does his stats or is it the way that he leads? The team's undefeated. If they finish undefeated. Does that mean you get to win offensive player of the year? I don't know. That's the question. I'm going to say no because it's not a most valuable player award. We're talking about stats, offensive player of the year. And the offensive player of the year has really come down to two guys that actually aren't going to make the playoffs in my mind. And if I had to choose one right now, I'm going to go with Mr. Kyle Lalletta. I think he is not just the best quarterback in our conference. He is the best quarterback in FCS, I think, when you look at his overall body of work. He even added a little bit of a running dimension this year, Tim. I mean, rushed for a few touchdowns this year. He's the most dynamic player offensively on his team, and he had to carry this team on his back all year long with no running game, and he still was able to have a very high completion rating. I'm sure you have the – uh, stats in front of you, a high completion percentage, high touch, you know, most touchdown passes in the conference, one of the tops in the FCS, low interception rate. And like I said, I think his body of work for a season that probably didn't go the way he wanted, he still put up the numbers that I think warrant the conference's offensive player of the year award. It's tough because, um, like you said, I really think at the end of the day, the coaches pick offensive player of the year based on stats, but I also think they base it on team and how they did and what type of leader they are. Yeah, I think it's hard to ignore Kyle Lalletta, and I think it's going to come down to Lalletta, Shore, and Mack, Josh Mack, the running back for Maine, yep. who I think will get a large – I think he'll he'll get a great chance at it because they've, only, they've played a game less, and he still rushed for over 1,200 yards yep. and nine touchdowns. And it's the FCS – he could finish the year as the FCS leading rusher – with a team that could finish 500. Mm -hmm. I think he'll get a push, but I think ultimately the way that the coaches have talked about Brian Shore and the way that the season has gone for Brian Shore, that he still leads the number one team in the FCS. Outside of stats, I still think they're going to go and say, we pick Brian Shore because even though stats don't show it, every team, when you game plan against Jamie, you have to game plan against Brian Shore. Fair. I'm going to go with Kyle Laletta. Hmm. Because okay. I do think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS. I mean, just – I mean, stats are one thing, but you watch him in person, and Kyle is just one of those guys who can throw dime passes. Just incredible accuracy, mm -hmm. clutch performer. I mean, Brian Shore is there when you need him, and he's he's obviously an incredible quarterback. But I think – The stats will I think tell the tale. This, Yeah, exactly. I think the the – Kyle Lalletta just when you see him in person just jumps off the page a little bit more. Yeah, and I'm not Mel Kiper or anybody else by any means, but I I mean Kyle Lalletta I think can play. Yeah, Tom McShay. I think he can play on Sundays. I mean He has the arm. He has the arm and he has the accuracy and he has I mean he's he's kinda played in a pro style system ish. Mm -hmm. Scouts love to Oh, what was your major at the University of Richmond? Well, I graduated in four years with a major in leadership. So <laughs> 
There you go. That that literally is his major. That's amazing. Yeah. Richmond is you know one of those weird schools that has leadership yep. as a major option. Um, definitely has the upside. I think Mike. I say we stay with a Thanksgiving team for the final three and out question. I think we go back to what we've talked about. Yeah. Defensive. I'm gonna say coach because. Oh, go coach Deer. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say coach. I think that would be the second. It's going to be the second hardest, if not the hardest decision for the coaches of this conference to say, do you pick an undefeated JMU in Mike Houston, who everyone's gunning for them. Yep. They won the national championship. They could potentially finish undefeated for the second straight year. Or do you go with a Kurt Signetti who out of nowhere has turned Elon into a contender? Chuck Priori, wild card. Wild card could be Chuck Priori too. Maybe some coaches are like, fine, we'll pick Chuck Priori. They went nine to two. Yeah. If they win out. Um, I'll go first. All right, you go want first. me to? Yeah, no, go first. Again, I guess I'm JMU themed this week. I think the coaches respect and understand the level of toughness in save football, and I think they also respect enough to say, even if JMU is the top team, even if the, JMU beat a lot of the teams that the coaches will be voting on, I think you sit there and say, undefeated for the second straight year, defending national championship, defending national champ, excuse me, have held the number one spot in the poll. Mm-hmm. the whole entire season. Signetti's is unbelievable, and in any other year would easily be the coach of the year. I don't see how the coaches vote against the team that potentially, if JMU beats Elon too, yeah, they're going to beat, obviously they would beat Signetti. So that, yeah. to me, would be the choice for Mike Houston. Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to have, I mean, can we have co-coaches? Of you year? can, if the, if the split, a, if there was yeah. a six and six, which we wouldn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. We wouldn't know. We won't find out the results anyway yeah. for a while. But I mean, that's what my gut's telling me is probably we're going to have Co. But if I had to choose one, I mean, what right now what Kurt Signetti has done at Elon is just phenomenal. I mean, this pro when you look at this program when they joined the CA, it's just they were miss. They just seemed to be missing something, especially in the offensive end. Just they weren't dynamic. They could. I mean, I I, I remember having to make these highlight videos over the years, and I couldn't find like a play over thirty yards to put in for. And then they bring in. You know, Coach Signetti, and they really, like I said, they earlier in the show, they they didn't really. There wasn't a roster turnover. They sprinkled in a few freshmen, but really, uh, you know, all the players are still there, and and all of a sudden they're this. Have a lot of guys all coming sudden, back, and they have a lot of guys coming back, and all of a sudden it's this explosive offense putting up thirty points per game, and and at the same time playing tough defense, winning close game. I mean, look at all the close games they won. I mean, the, overnight. Usually, it takes a team with a new coach, even though Mike Houston's been able to be very successful as a new coach uh, outside of him. But it usually takes a team with a new coach to win those close games. Maybe like a year to lose a bunch of those close games to figure out, like, okay, we believe in him. We were in every single game, but instead, he's come in and won all those close games. And you know, I think that's just gives credit to him and and the program he's already established there in a year. This is such a tough one for me because, you know, I want to say, I want to say Kurt Signetti because, you know, it's easy to say Mike Houston came in on riding a little bit of a momentum wave, but I think there is also something to be said to be able to carry that momentum and not just carry that momentum, but carry it to a national championship and be poised for another national championship run the year after. Um, you know, obviously what Kurt Signetti's done is incredible. Um, but I, I think it would be hard to make this decision 
without seeing how the playoffs play out. Um, and right now, I, I see James Madison going the deepest, and for that reason, I will probably choose Mike Houston. And but to it's, it's a to make Bobby's point season. that much more open too, we have seen in years past that the coaches have voted on strictly. We saw it was I think it was six years ago where Joe Trainer at Rhode Island they went mm-hmm. six and five overall, but finished five and three in yeah. CA football. And the coaches said, we don't care who won that year because what he did at Rhode Island to get them to be over yeah. 500 and 5-3, five and three, that will factor in, trust yeah. me. But I also – it's a, I'm glad we don't have to make that decision. No, that's, that that's, a, that's a tough decision. I think the, the best way, the most fair scenario is to have co-coach of the year. Yeah, because I agree. Because it's, it's such a hard toss-up. But the final three-and-out question, uh, obviously next week – at this time, mm. we will not be in the studio. Nope. At least I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> we will be stuffing our faces with turkey. We have done turkey related or Thanksgiving related. We've done underrated dishes. We could do overrated dishes. We could do. You're raking leaves tradition. Overrated activities. We could do. I've thought a lot about overrated dishes in the past because no discredit to my mom or my aunt. You know, they usually come down. I'm just not a turkey guy. I just can't get into Ooh. it. And. I know you can make turkeys differently, but Mike, it's it's gonna be up to you. We can do something Thanksgiving related. We can do overrated dish. We can do activities. Overrated dish sounds good. I don't know why. I would say, why don't we do the most underrated dish, the dish that doesn't get that doesn't get enough love, credit. But when you really look into this Thanksgiving dish, you see, yeah, that's why it's on the table. I know mine. Okay, then start us. You want to go it. first? It's not going to be sweet potato pie because you already no, used that not. a couple years There's back. There's a lot of things so. that factor <laughs> into this decision. And yeah, one, it could be culturally. I mean, yeah. do, you, do you have mac and cheese? Not just cranberry okay, sauce. I would do say you mac have and cheese is the most overrated because you can have mac yeah, and cheese. You can have mac and any cheese anywhere. But the most now, underrated dish, stuffing. I'm offended when I see mac and cheese on the table. Stuffing is the most underrated dish, I think, on Thanksgiving. Especially somebody who can make a good stuffing. Not like Betty Crocker and you just stir up some powder and throw it in the oven and whatever. But like some made-from-scratch stuffing, I think, is very, very underrated dish. I mean, I don't have stuffing any other time of the year but Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys if you even like stuffing. Yeah. But I definitely only have stuffing on Thanksgiving. And it just kind of – Yeah, Christmas too. And it kind of just – you know, stuffing, it's, it's just there. But yet it, it complements the turkey so well. I love it that this has turned into like a draft prospect. Talk. Yeah. Like, like, well, you know, stuffing had a great upside in the regular season. He yeah, exactly. turned the ball over three times. But yep. if you look at the competition against stuffing this year. Exactly. Here's the thing about stuffing is, one, it keeps. So, like, you can you can have stuffing the next day and it's going to be just as good. Yep. You can put it on a sandwich. Oh, like yeah. A bobby. All I can think about. Ooh. All I can think about is that scene in Zoolander when he's, it's a casserole, Sheila. It'll sit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. It's also versatile. Uh, One year, my family, we had four different types of stuffing. Oh, wow. So we had. Oh, that's, so Bobby must have known that insight. No, I didn't. So we had uh, inside the turkey stuffing, outside the turkey stuffing, stuffing with sausage sprinkled in, and stuffing with oysters. Oh, I'm going to Mike's place for Thanksgiving. That sounds amazing. Um, one of the highlights of my Thanksgiving. I think I already lost this one, but yeah, I will go. I'm going to go with a little bit of wild card because you wouldn't think of it as a dish, as a compliment, as a, oh, that's Thanksgiving. That's, I'm going to go with the gravy oh. because the gravy for me, like you said, you can go, I'm going to go to the store and just get a bunch of chicken stock and a bunch of like homemade, pre-made and just heat it up. 
you can go all out. You can get the turkey fat. You can sprinkle it in with the stuffing. But the gravy for me, since I don't like turkey, I'm openly admitting that. I don't like turkey. But the gravy for me with the possibility of adding that to potatoes and turkey, it complements the meal and brings everything together. You want to throw in a little stuffing? You want to throw in a little extra? You want to throw in some cranberry sauce? You can even mix cranberry sauce with with, uh, gravy. You're treating gravy like it's a condiment. So gravy to me, gravy to me is. This is gonna be a tough decision for you, Mike. Gravy to me is the most underrated, just because you can throw it in and sprinkle it on a sandwich. You can have it for breakfast. You can stuff it with the stuffing. You can it can be a little (laughs) juice with the stuffing. The gravy for me, at the end of the day, how sweet it is. How how that to me. (laughs) Is anyone else hungry now after (laughs) this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, gravy just kind of brings everything mm, together. Ooh, like it does. The rug in Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> brings everything together. But think about it. Like, have you ever? It's like eating turkey and a, a Thanksgiving dinner without gravy is like having a sandwich without like mayo or mm-hmm. mustard. Mm. I, think it's, I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot upside. Necessary. And oh. for that reason, oh. let's go! Oh, let's wow. go! Tip I thought I had out. Mike with the three types of stuffing, and oh man. That, you pulled that one back. Off, pulled that one right out of the hat, didn't yep, you? I did. Right out of the turkey. <laughs> God, it's oh underrated God. because not everybody does gravy. You're right. And not everyone does gravy right. Right. <laughs> if I may add that. <laughs> I'm so glad we we decided to shoot this early. So yeah, it's time. All right, it's time to go eat. It's time to go eat now. We will not have a yak next week. That's understandable. We will have Mike break us down the last thing, timing of the all conference release, because. I know people are going to be focused on playoffs and which teams make it and all that stuff, which is great. But at the same time, you also have to put in a lot of work, but also have to put in a a good effort and break people down when that will be coming out. Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon. Good night, Canada. Enjoy the games, everyone. Is it sad that I get more passionate about food than football? Yeah.